What is up and welcome back to another episode of Rotten Potatoes, a podcast where four friends sit around and review movies that you absolutely should have seen already, but at least one of us hasn't. My name's Tyler and I'm here with three of my best friends. Hi, I'm Scott. I'm Jake. Hi, I'm Zach. And I gotta... I, that was not the correct... That wasn't from this movie, was it? No, that was just like the main Mission Yeah, Impossible that's what I thought. Track. It wasn't the, yeah, it wasn't the one from, from this movie. Mm-mm. That kind of sounded like back when you could buy ringtones, and it yeah. was like a ringtone version. <laughs> yeah, of- uh-huh. it was. That's what I searched, ringtone version Mission Impossible you know, sound. I, I didn't have a phone at that time when people were doing that, so my mom would let us pick her ringtones, and I picked uh, Crazy Train by uh, Ozzy Osbourne, but it was just the beginning part where he yells. Alibi! Yeah, and uh, it would scare the crap out of my mom every time. <laughs> I remember one time I was in a, a one of my college classes and I had a country song as my ringtone and it went off and was just playing. And it was like super embarrassing for me. And I was like, from this point forward, just phone sounds. <laughs> like but the song you picked was embarrassing for you? Well, it was like right in the middle of like a quiet moment and like like we were supposed to be doing something and then uh-huh. just like it, yeah. Like people were laughing. Did you get your phone taken away? No, it's college. What song was it? Oh, that? I thought this was in high school. Uh uh-uh. we uh one time when we were back in high school where Woodcrest would confiscate phones, we set our friend's phone to Odd, like audio on and then called it and he got his phone taken away for the entire weekend nice oh nice <laughs> it was <laughs> they, pretty funny <laughs> they took it away on a friday yeah <laughs> i had an extra phone in my backpack and so if my phone would go off well, i had burners <laughs> in high school <laughs> it was like an old phone that i had found okay and so like if if someone ever like uh, heard my phone or i got caught with it they'd be like cam your phone i'd give them the crap phone that's actually really smart <laughs> that it's like that it wasn't connected to service or anything no. <laughs> i don't it think was it was charged else's or phone anything that you found we just found it like out in like the uh the like trees like the orange groves oh, so you found somebody's burner phone yeah, yeah. <laughs> that and phone might be connected to a crime yeah <laughs> we also would like i don't know why we played this game but we would like throw our phones at each other's phones trying to break each other's phones the baseball team did this Such a high school thing it's yeah. a very do. high school thing and to so do. i would use that phone for that too i wouldn't <laughs> use my real phone so i was just like launching it at because i didn't care yeah tell us what you guys did with your phones on instagram <laughs> or patreon <laughs> or yeah, patreon <laughs> can they talk to us on patreon i've not actually logged in yeah cool and uh if you uh become one of our patrons uh you would be watching this right now on live stream and you could chat with us actually on youtube Oh, really? Can we see that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, there's the chat right there. There's the chat. It's blown, oh, up. blown up. We're ignoring it, but it's blown up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, make sure to check us out on uh, Patreon at Rotten Potato Pod uh, and on Instagram at Rotten Potato Pod. We got a comment. It says, uh, a long time ago, I left my phone in the trees <laughs> <laughs> and then a high school kid took it. Please, From please return. fake Greg Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we are talking about uh, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. Uh, in particular, uh, I, I do know that uh, apparently uh, Tom Cruise hates numerals in movies or numbers in movies mm. and so he was super excited that they finally dropped it and it was just mission impossible ghost protocol so now. he was really against two mission to impossible yeah okay. he was against it uh don't they go back to it though at some point no oh they're all from this point on. from this point name. on it's just mission impossible and then a, a subtitle oh, okay 
But uh, but yeah, uh, I picked this movie. This franchise has been, you know, uh, uh, one that I've followed since I was a little kid. Uh, and yeah, the, the new one came out. I haven't got to see it. I tried to go see it yesterday before we recorded this so that I could weigh in. Uh, but I have heard, I've had people reach out to me uh, telling me it was great. And one person in particular who uh, the weekend after Oppenheimer, he and I like spent like the whole weekend talking about how great Oppenheimer was. And he texted me and said, as great as Oppenheimer was, Mission Impossible was a better movie to go see. What did he mean by that? Like it was just, it was more fun. It was so well made. It was, you know. I think the emotional payoff was magnificent. Mm. Yeah, magnificent. I not, think was the word he used. Not five F five F, magnificent. <laughs> not no, tremendous. Nothing's that. It wasn't yeah. tremendous, but it was magnificent. Yeah. You know, um, or it wasn't massive, but it. So was he wasn't saying it was like critically a better movie. He was just saying it was more enjoyable. He he said Oppenheimer is an artistic masterpiece. Mission Impossible is a better movie. Uh, interesting. I haven't seen it, so I can't. I wait. think I'd need him to unpack that because I don't understand. Really. I think we kind of talk about that from time to time on this podcast. The difference between like like art and consumer, you know, appeal. I feel like we're gonna get into that. So not a better film, but a better movie. That's why I said, yeah. 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 We're gonna oh. get into that later uh, okay. this month. I think probably we're gonna have a discussion about uh, an art movie that some one of us is gonna hate. <laughs> all right yeah, fair enough fast six yeah, yeah fast six the art movie that 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 we're all gonna hate uh but yeah no i i've i've always loved these movies i think i remember watching the first mission impossible uh i had to be i, I mean i was i was for sure not older than 10 uh i was I was a little boy when I watched the first Mission Impossible movie and I loved it. I was obsessed and I've watched every movie and owned uh, almost every Mission Impossible movie uh, since. Which one do you not own and why not? Mission Impossible 2. Why don't you own it? You just hate it? It's very bad. Okay. It's very, very cheesy. So I feel like you have to own it to complete the collection. No, you don't have to. Uh, I mean, I, to, to complete I don't the collection you do, but you don't, it's not worth I spending am, money on. I am a completionist. I buy like yeah. entire sets of things that I don't even like. Yeah. Uh, that's how little I regard Mission wow. Impossible 2. I can't wait to do it next year on the pod. It's uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's a John Woo movie, which like, you know. Face off. Face off. Yeah. So it's perfect. Uh, 97% on <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's, it's a thing. It's, it's definitely a thing. It's, if you like the franchise, you have to see it at least once, but, uh, once is enough. I loved it when I was 13. It's like made for a 13 year old. Mm. Uh, but Tom Cruise actually was the, um, like has been the producer of this since the first movie. Uh, so the studio came to Tom Cruise and said, Hey, we want you to produce a movie. What do you want to make? And he said, I would love to make this, uh, like an adaptation of this TV show that I loved as a kid growing up, Mission Impossible. And they said, great. And so ever since then, it's really been his, like, uh, his franchise to, to Shepard. And throughout the different years, like they had John Woo obviously did Mission Impossible 2. JJ came in and did uh, Mission Impossible 3. Um and as good as Jake, you brought up a while ago, as good as Philip Seymour Hoffman was, to be honest, 
I just didn't like what JJ did with the movie as a that whole. Was, I was going to say, I feel like I owe you an apology because I was reading about Mission Impossible as a franchise and people didn't really like three. So yeah. I see why you didn't pick it, but I was like, Philip Seymour Hoffman is in this one and I, I bet you it's awesome. There is one scene in particular in Mission Impossible 3 and then I promise we'll get into talking about the actual, the actual movie we came here to review. Um, but there's one scene in that movie that completely takes me out and Zach actually watched all of them right to like prepare for this yeah kind of it was it was kind of half that and then half to just try to catch up to dead reckoning as well oh yeah yeah Yeah. i had only seen half of these and so i had to kind of i had seen four but i had not seen three so i had to kind of fill in some gaps and zach texted me about this scene when he watched it like it was the only thing he texted me i think throughout all of watching mission impossible was there's a scene where Tom Cruise looks right in the camera, right in the lens as after he's just done this stunt to like scale a wall. And he says, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall directly into the lens. (laughs) And like that scene alone made me not want to pick three. That's fair. It was maybe worse than anything in mission impossible Two. It it was that one scene was worse than I can't believe Tom Cruise signed off on it. Yeah, I can't either. Might've been his idea for all we know. It, I mean, it could have been, but I doubt it. But this was, uh, we'll, we'll get into kind of just the facts with this, but this was actually Brad Bird's uh, live-action directorial debut. Mm. Uh, so he had, you know, of course, been an extremely successful animated film director with Pixar. And uh, and uh, Tom Cruise uh, decided, hey, Brad, like, I, I think you need to take a swing and uh, come do Mission Impossible, which is pretty neat. I think he's producing all these movies just because he wants to do things that no one else can do. Well, this is where that starts. We'll get into that. Uh-huh. The, this movie is the first time where he was like, okay, like let's actually scale a building. There's no stunt double. Let's, you know, let's get everything in camera. Yeah. But let's, uh, let's hang outside of a plane. Yeah, exactly. All of that started with this, with this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but why don't you hit us with a little bit of just the facts, Scott? Yeah, so as we said, this was directed by Brad Bird. It was written by Josh Applebaum and Andre Nemec. Uh, it released December 16th, 2011, has a runtime of 133 minutes. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 93%. IMDb gave it a 7.4. Had a pretty big box office, $694 million on a $145 million budget. So that's almost a 5x return, which is pretty good. But it wasn't nominated for any awards, so it didn't win any either. And Scott, were you actually a late bloomer on this? Uh, yeah, I hadn't seen this one. Oh, wow. All right. I'd seen three and I liked three. Yeah. And I think I'd seen the first one. And I think those are the only two I had seen. I think you and I watched three together at one point. Maybe. Like yeah. right when we moved in together. I think it was but when we didn't have internet for like three days and we just had like. Oh, it could have been. Yeah. I think I'd seen it before that because I remember watching it with my dad. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. I liked that one. I liked Philip Seymour in that one. I liked the all the you don't know who is anyone. Mm-hmm. So, Zach, you had seen this movie before, though. I had, yeah. Uh, what do you think watching it again? Um, I liked it. I've seen this movie a few times now because I rewatched it again during my Mission Impossible rewatch, maybe three or four months ago, and then I had to watch it again for this. I like it. Um, I think this is a really fun movie. There is something that I I have a lot of fun with watching the first three because it's just so wild to see the the artistic uh, flavor, I guess, of each movie just like differ so wildly. 
Um, but I think it's undeniable that by the time you get to this movie, you can really see where the franchise is headed and obviously in such a better direction. Um, and I think it, it has set a, a really good precedent for all the movies that follow afterwards. I think from this movie, in my opinion, each movie just gets better and better and be better in a way where like they just build off of each other. Like I think this movie kind of set the tone and then allowed for and uh, hopefully I'm not I'm not being too presumptuous to say this, but like allowed for Christopher McQuarrie, who I think comes in in five, to then even kind of take it an extra step above. Because um, then Rogue Nation, I like even more than this one. And then Fallout, I like even more than the next one. But I think Ghost Protocol is like a really important piece of that whole puzzle. Um, yeah, it was like the turning point and the setup. For the yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I like this movie quite a bit. I think it's a lot of fun. Actually, the first time I watched it was um, back in theaters, and I watched it in IMAX at the Ontario Theater because if you had gone to see it there, you could have seen like a 10-minute a clip of Dark Knight Rises in oh. IMAX beforehand. And I mean, that would, I was obsessed with the Dark Knight at the time, and so I wanted to do whatever I could to see as much of the Dark Knight Rises, which ended up kind of being a bummer that that was a worse movie than this. <laughs> but it kind of worked out because then I got to see this movie on an IMAX screen, and I remember that Burj Khalifa scene. Just I was like sweating in the theater, um, and that's still like a really <laughs> was it also really <laughs> it wasn't no like I uh, was just very scared, very anxious during that scene. The AC um, was like a lot younger then. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, probably the same unit. It might be. Yeah, <laughs> just twelve years ago. Yeah. Um, no, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I like this movie. I have a lot of fun. I, I think the whole franchise is a lot of fun. Uh, I've already given most of my take. I'll just say, I agree. I think from this point on, they just get better and better. Uh, but they do really begin to actually build on each other for the first three movies. There really isn't anything that like ties them together except for maybe Luther, uh, who's in, Although he's hardly in Mission Impossible 2. And he's really not in this one very much either. He's, I'd kind he's, of forgotten. He's just a cameo really in this one. And then he's in, he's a main character in, in all of them after this. Um, but there really wasn't anything that like tied the first three together very much. And then now we're starting to have characters that like are recurring characters that we get a little bit more like development from them. And that's exciting. Jake, how'd you feel about it? Yeah, I had only seen Mission Impossible 1. And I liked Mission Impossible 1 fine, but it wasn't like, oh, I've got to watch more Mission Impossible. Uh, and so going into this one, I thought it would be fine. It was, I liked it more than I thought I would based off of one. I I was surprised, I think, at the huge step up. I mean, I guess it had been two movies in between, but it seemed like a very big step up from uh, Mission Impossible 1 to me uh, and so much so that you, you guys were talking about um, that there was nothing unifying the first three like if you would have told me that this was like a soft reboot of Mission Impossible or whatever I would have believed it because it felt very different but in a good way uh, I thought it was fun in the Burj Khalifa scene like I'm not afraid of heights and I was just sitting at home and I was a I was tense I was afraid uh, I think that this is like the perfect popcorn entertainment movie like series like i liked it i had fun with it i didn't really think about it afterwards 
Uh, but I was perfectly entertained while I was watching it. It's funny that you brought up that it might be like if, if you got told it was a soft reboot, you'd believe it. I, I think I would too. And in part because this is the first time that they nod back to the first Mission Impossible at all with the meeting with the arms dealer. It's the same thug with the same mask that he had to put on in Mission Impossible 1 to get to see Max. Oh, I don't think I remember Mission Impossible 1 well enough to... Just to have recognized I've, that. I've seen it so many times that like it, it was a maybe an Easter egg for like too few of people. Um, but like the the meeting with the arms dealer in one uh, Max, uh, he has to follow the exact same protocol to meet the arms dealer as in the first one. So in the first movie, someone lights a match and that's like the signal that like, you know, lights a match and puts it out. And that happens again in this one. And then he points to the guy and it's the same like uh, enforcer from the first movie, like just a big Danish dude uh, with long blonde hair. And he holds up the the hood that he has to put on and it's got the exact same sewing marks mm. as the, as from the first film. That's interesting. But yeah, I think like after this one, I would be excited if someone's like, do you want to watch Mission Impossible 5? I'd be like, yeah. But before this, if somebody's like, do you want to watch Mission Impossible? I'd be like, all right. Yeah, you know that's fair. Scott, if you really want to, what do you think? Late bloomer on this one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's fun. I I agree that these are great like popcorn movies. I don't think there's a ton to like that you do think about afterwards. It's kind of like when it's over, it's over. Um, but yeah, I I think they're a lot of fun. It's super cool that like these stunts like all really happened. Like it wasn't like just like CGI or on a sound stage or something. Um, so that's like an impressive feat for this and like out other movies. Like I, I remember seeing, um, I know this isn't this movie, but the like previews for the one on the airplane and they're like, he really did this. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Like he just hung outside of a huge airplane while it took off. Yeah. Yeah. It's his, uh, his commitment to that, you know, like we talked about with John wick earlier this year that, that Keanu Reeves makes a big deal about like, I don't do my own stunts. I do my own action sequences like mm -hmm. fights. Uh, and I think, I think, you know, part of it is Keanu is very respectful to the stunt community, but I also think part of it probably is like in the back of his mind, he's looking at Tom Cruise and being like, yeah, I don't do that. Mm. Like Tom Cruise actually does do his own stunts. Mm -hmm. Like on this film, he did not have a stunt double. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had to like, he, that was a, something he, a fight he had to win with, you know, studios and insurance companies and everything like that. Because when you're Tom Cruise and like just this movie, you know, $145 million sunk into this project. And if he makes a wrong step and falls off the top of the tallest building in, in Dubai, the world in the world. Yeah. At the time, uh, that would be, you know a pretty big bummer financially. <laughs> I can't like, I can't imagine getting talked into doing that. I, there's no way I could even wrap my head around talking somebody into letting me do that. <laughs> uh, but I do think that, that it shows a lot of like, I mean, again, I agree. Like th this isn't a movie that like I sit around and like, I need to unpack with people. Um, but I will say like, I am pretty blown away by Tom Cruise's, uh, commitment to the art because, you know, in his words, 
if we use a stunt double, we can't have the camera on the main character's face Mm -hmm. during that stunt. And so, you know, the audience is missing that emotional connection and the stakes. Like they're, they're not feeling the stakes of it. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's his reason for doing all. I think he's also probably a thrill chaser. Uh, You have to be. (laughs) Yeah, you have to be. But I, I think his, I actually think his reasons are, are like actually like noble in terms of like, I'm doing this for the audience. And that's, I mean, that's really cool as a as an actor and producer to yeah and i don't know if this was like really on his mind or not but i feel like it's almost become in a way like uh, a nice little bit of marketing for each new movie it's just like what stunt and i'm am i going to watch tom cruise do next mm-hmm. you know and that's half the draw for me uh when it comes to these movies oh yeah because each movie I feel like is kind of up to the ante a little bit. In each movie I've I've thought like I can't believe he did that this time. Um and so it's I think it's really worked out in his favor. I'm way more interested to see like what Tom Cruise is going to do, what crazy thing he's going to do versus a stunt double or Ethan Hunt. Yeah. Sure. Although I do actually part of I mean part of this to be honest like when when you're seeing that all the time like I think I do buy Ethan Hunt more as a character than I buy John Wick as a character. Like Ethan Hunt feels like he could be a real person to me. Hmm, that's interesting. I I've never, th- I've never thought about that before. Like I, I'm along for the ride in the movie, but if I think about it, I think this is insane and wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be a real anything. So I don't know. Like I, I, I'm on board. I'm never questioning it while I'm watching the movie. But I, if I think, oh, do I think that a person like this exists? I would say probably not. I will say that I have a lot more fun watching this kind of action than like the John Wick kind of action. Yeah. I I think there's something about Tom Cruise and like he, no matter how allegedly insane he is and how much you maybe don't want to like him as a person, the second I see him step on screen, I can't help but like him. He's magnetic. He's very charismatic. I don't know what it is because like he, you just, you forget everything. And it's not like I really like see him get lost in a character where I like, like I like I'm watching Tom Cruise, but I really like him. You know, I'm not like, Oh, this is Ethan hunt or whatever. Like he's, he's one of those actors that, uh, you never, I never learn his character's name. I just know I'm like, Oh, Tom Cruise did this. But even still, I, they, I just can't help but, root for him and like him in anything he's in. So I'm curious, has that happened for you uh, from this podcast? Because before you had only seen Valkyrie. I th- I mean, I guess it must have, but like, yeah, because I, I'd only seen Valkyries, which I don't remember really yeah. at all. Uh, and I think it kind of sucked but from what I remember. But every movie we've had with him in it, I've just been like, I he's so charismatic. He's so charming that that might play into the good time that you're having mm-hmm. is that he is just maybe the most charismatic leading man in Hollywood. Uh, totally. Yeah. To, uh, to your point, Zach, I'm going to, I'm going to credit who I'm stealing this joke from, but, uh, my roommate, uh, said, you know, we were talking about the new mission impossible movie and he's like, honestly, I'm, I'm just here for when we really get to an impossible mission. And like, cause the thing that's going to kill Tom Cruise is a stunt on mission impossible. Like that's going to be how he goes. Yeah. And I think, I think Tom Cruise, if you, if you really pressed him and if he was really honest, I think he would probably say that that would be his choice. Like that. (laughs) I want to go doing a stunt. Yeah. Like I think that would be his preference. (laughs) He probably, 
That's how he convinces them. He says, if I can't do this, I don't deserve to live. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I hope not, though, because I think Tom Cruise can be like a really great dramatic actor as well. And I kind of hope that he eventually gets to a point where he slows down and we maybe start getting some more dramatic roles out of him again. I mean, he's like, I think he's like 60 now and yeah. he just ran uh a dirt bike off a cliff seven times. I know. So I don't think he's going to slow down anytime soon. When he gets like Anthony Hopkins age or something. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Then, you know, it, it won't be a dirt bike. Maybe it'll be a Vespa. <laughs> <laughs> he's still going to be doing stunts. Yeah. I'd love to see Anthony Hopkins driving a Vespa, not doing anything in particular, just driving, just on. driving. I feel like that'd be a fun thing to watch. Yeah. It's a little bit like uh just, you know, like sad Keanu. Uh-huh. Like the, the little figurine, it's a little bit like Anthony Hopkins on a Vespa would no, just be or a like that Elijah would be Wood that, on the scooter. That was yeah. what I was about to compare it to. Is like that that would be a mood like Elijah Wood, <laughs> yeah. just happy as can be on a lime scooter, <laughs> smoking a cig. Uh, what did you guys think of some of our supporting cast? We had like Simon Pegg. Uh, you know, we had uh, um, uh, of course Renner. Jeremy Renner. Uh, what do you guys Patton. think of? Mm-hmm, what do you guys think of some of our our supporting? cast in this i'm always a fan of simon Pegg. he's like, fun i don't know a single role that he's done that i didn't think he like nailed it in i think he's super funny uh he's always like good comic relief in the midst of like a tense situation and like he i don't know he just like does it for me i i don't feel like i've seen simon Pegg in a ton i know i've seen him in some things but i like him I think he's funny. I thought he was funny in this. Uh, Jeremy Renner is not one of the actors who I can uh, overlook the crazy in their life, but I still, <laughs> I still enjoyed, enjoyed watching him. I don't know that I'd ever seen the leading lady. What's her name? Paula Patton. Paula, I, don't, I don't know that I'd ever seen her in anything before, mm. but I liked her in this. Yeah. Like everybody was likable. I didn't have any, any problems with anybody in the main cast. I, I liked them all. I, I liked, I actually really, I, I liked Jeremy Renner in this one uh, because I, I liked that they at least started him off as like really leading us to believe that he was just an analyst kind of a thing. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, I'm here for Jeremy Renner not being an action star. Uh, and then they like, you know, <laughs> they twisted it on us. But in the in all the movies subsequent, he's just like uh, like a back end actor. Like he's not doing any more stunts after this movie, really. But he is in other ones. Yeah, he his character continues to to be in. Actually, his, my favorite role of him in the franchise is the next movie, uh, Rogue Nation, um, where he almost all of his scenes are against Alec Baldwin, and they're very funny. Hmm. Who's hmm. Alec Baldwin? Good guy, bad guy? Uh, bad guy. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, sort of. He's uh, in in the next one. I I, I won't spoil too much, but uh, in the next one, Alec Baldwin is playing the head of the CIA, who's trying to shut down the IMF forever. Okay, mm. I'd watch that. Yeah, I'd watch that movie. It's uh, it it's it's a fun time. It's a really good movie, and and they introduce a new like um, super villain in the next movie that will carry into a couple of. Films. Like if I felt like this movie was missing something to make it the perfect action movie for me, I didn't think the villain, the villain didn't do much for me in this movie. Yeah. And I guess like the villain was the stakes in the situation. Like the, the stakes were very high and I wanted to see them overcome. And like, so like it didn't, it didn't detract, I guess from their stakes 
and what they were doing. Like I didn't enjoy it less because there wasn't a good villain, but I would have liked a better villain in this movie. I think that that's what, um, what I prefer about the following movies is the villain aspect. Uh, but then also the, um, the supporting cast aspect uh, of this movie as well. I think um, I, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent to Simon Pegg. Um, even in all the movies, he's just not really an actor that I get very excited about. Um, but my favorite iteration of like the Mission Impossible gang is Tom, Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames, and then I really like Rebecca Ferguson, Re- uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who gets introduced in the next one. Um, I, I think that she adds a really interesting dynamic, and I'm glad that they've like kept her around. And so it's, I, I feel like it's kind of more the interconnective details of this movie that I'm not super fond of. Um, but I feel like what this movie does really well is just lead me from like one awesome a- uh, set piece to the next set piece to the next one. And they're all really great. All three different ones. Um, but I, I also agree with you, Jake. I think the villain aspect of this movie is pretty weak and was something that I think that's the strongest aspect of mission impossible three in a pretty mm-hmm. like generic, boring movie. Like uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is so good. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a shame, obviously, what happened to him, but it's a shame that that couldn't have been a character that could have been brought back oh, yeah. in, a, in a future Mission Impossible movie. And to think about that, I think would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Was Ving Rhames in a previous one? Because that scene, he was, okay, I, was he in Mission Impossible 1? I thought I remembered that, and then I forgot to look it up, but I was like, they're they're acting like I should know who this is. Yeah, Ving Rhames is, uh, he's in Mission Impossible 1. He's one of, after uh, Ethan has been disavowed and he puts together his little team of rogues, uh, Luther is like the tech guy okay. in that team. And he continues to be throughout most of the franchise, Ethan's best friend. Does he ever not get disavowed? Ethan? Yeah, like it, it seems like that's just something that happens. Like, it, they, I guess it's just a stakes raising moment where they're like, you don't have any of the stuff. Yeah, he wasn't, he did get disavowed in three. He didn't get disavowed in two. And he, I don't think he gets disavowed again. Oh, no, he does get disavowed in the next movie. I, it, that's the thing. So when I was thinking about these, it's so much easier for me to differentiate the first three. And then four, five, six, there's details that kind of bleed together totally. because they're, they are very similar in tone. Um, and they're very similar in like, um, like in the editing room. Yeah. Like they look very cohesive. They do. Yeah. Um, which I think makes for better films, um, in a better franchise, but yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time. I think you're correct that he does in five and I don't think he does in six. I don't think he does in six. Yeah. And which one are they on now? Seven or eight? Seven just came out. Seven, Seven just, just came, came out, out, and it's going to be a two-parter. Ah, uh, they're going the way of the fast. No, that's a three-parter. Never that's mind. a three-parter. Yeah. This isn't. These aren't going to. This isn't going to be the last Mission Impossible, is it? Well, no, because it's part one. No, but like the the next one. That's not going to be the last one, is it? It might be. It, okay. Yeah, n- who's to say? Okay. Like he kind of takes these uh, as as he wants. Uh-huh. Like because he's the producer, so he kind of decides when he wants to make another one. I don't know if I've ever seen a two-parter not be a finale. Yeah, I I would assume it's going to be the end of Mission Impossible. That that's my assumption. Um, I was super excited when Sawyer came on screen. I was going to oh, ask me you too. about that, and I was like, "Yeah, cool." Like I don't see him in a lot of stuff, and then he died within yeah. like yeah. a minute, and I was like, "All right." I had <laughs> the exact same uh, reaction at the beginning of this movie. I was uh-huh. like, Sick, Sawyer's in this. <laughs> 
and then it was too, it was he was gone. <laughs> I I actually do think he was probably a a pretty underutilized actor for this franchise. Yeah, he for sure could have come back if they wouldn't have killed him off. Yeah. Know? And they there was one thing like I guess nit that I would pick in this movie. Um, I agree with you, Jake, completely about the villain. But I also thought that like just in general that character felt uh the Hannaway character uh Sawyer's character mm, mm. uh felt uh just like I I couldn't really understand like it just felt clunky like so he says to her I god you're beautiful I'm sorry I never told you so they didn't have like a romantic relationship but now she's like pining after him like they did. That confused me a little bit as well. And then also like when they like first rescue him from the prison, which I loved, by the way, the whole prison rescue sequence, I just thought was a lot of fun. Uh, I loved the little like little bits of comedy, you know, like to like uh-huh. start things off. Um, but then like as soon as they rescue him, Ethan's like, well, where's Hannaway? Like he knows who he is like. And in the third movie, we see him like training agents uh, and like maybe like the presumption is like, oh, yeah, maybe Ethan Hunt at this point kind of knows everybody. But like we just didn't even get any kind of like development on how he knew him, like what kind of an agent he was, you know, like. I think I benefited from not seeing the first two because I didn't have those thoughts. I just assumed that he had been in previous ones and that there was something there. Yeah, it was it was not like that, that was a whole new team in the in that executing that mission. It was a whole new team to us. That was like I also assumed that we knew why he was in prison. Did we not? Like when when we started this movie, did you not know he was going to be in prison from no. the last one? Okay. Yeah, no. Uh so in the last one, it kind of ends with him sailing off into the sunset with his wife. Okay. And then all of a sudden he's in prison and not with his wife and then like wait, maybe his wife's dead. So only to find out she wasn't I that uh, like knowing those details. I don't know how I feel like taking that in because I was just I just kind of made the assumption that this was all stuff that we knew. But I don't maybe I don't I feel like I was given enough when they're like his wife is dead. And I was like, oh, that was probably something that was big in another movie. And they talked about a lot. And I had no idea. Yeah, no, no we, were, screen. we were all like uh, we were all playing catch up just like you were. Okay. Yeah, which is kind of I I kind of like it. I kind of like the uh, like. I, wait, what happened? What happened? You know, like, I think it's probably like in retrospect. I think it's probably something that they have to do for these movies because they have to assume that people are going to come see them that have never seen a Mission Impossible before. Exactly, so you have to be able to start fresh and then do enough for your loyal fans, but not not in a way that takes away from the movie. Totally, which I I think they do a good job of in this. Like, because sometimes those things get pretty ham fisted. You know, like. Like we've, we've talked a lot about movies that just commit the sin of over exposition, uh-huh. you know? And I felt like they towed that line pretty well in this. Yeah. I hate it more and more when I get things over explained to me. I just want them to assume that I can make some jumps. And if I can't make some jumps and I'm a little bit confused, I honestly, I would rather be a little bit confused than a lot bored. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think I'm with you. That's how I feel about just books in general. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I, well, this should be 15 pages, not 300. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to a book right now, Scott, that you would hate. I'm listening to the Oppenheimer biography, American Prometheus. Uh-huh. And I am 13 chapters in and he has not started building the bomb. And I'm, I'm a little bit like, I would like to get there. You probably would have tapped out. I Six wouldn't have ago. started it. Yeah. Uh, Scott, you know what we need to get you on instead we've tried to like set you up with some novels. I think we just need to set you up with short stories. Maybe. I think like, let's get you reading a handful of like Hemingway and like Whitman short stories. Yeah. I would remember to bring my backpack. I could have given you some. some I was a fan of the most dangerous game. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's going to be more up your alley Mm in short stories. Yeah. Get to the point. Give me the plot points. Or maybe just watch the movie. Have you thought about that? That's what I'm doing currently. (laughs) There's there's not movies of everything. I enjoy it a lot. You prefer that? Yeah. That method? Yeah. Okay. I also really enjoy just reading like plot summaries. (laughs) (laughs) I could watch a movie in a minute by just reading the whole thing. I think there's even movies sometimes are too much of a commitment for you. Yeah. There's a couple coming up that I wasn't a huge, uh, Scott, I know, is a millennial, <laughs> but Scott is somehow the most Gen Z of us. Oh, yeah. I have no attention span. Give it to me in the most condensed form possible, and then we're we're good. Yeah. But I, I think that there are, I guess not to get too off on a tangent, I think there are some piece works of art that are just so tied to a medium that you can't adapt mm-hmm. them. I think there are books that don't serve well to being adapted, and I think that there are plenty of movies that I think would have not made a good book. Uh, so I don't know. I think I think having it open to you gives you a little bit more uh, more opportunity to experience good things. Yeah, I would agree with that. I just I feel like Scott's limiting I think, himself. I think everything should be available in every medium. <laughs> I want choices. Um, I'm thinking about, I, I'm, I've been chewing on, Tyler, what you were talking about with Josh Holloway's character and that whole dynamic and how it feels a little clunky. And I think I would agree with you. Sorry, it's Josh Holloway Sawyer. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hannaway in this movie. I think the th- one aspect of this movie that didn't really work for me was, and, and you touched on it, is like the romantic relationship. Not only was that maybe just kind of confusing, but it to me it feels really unnecessary. Like I don't feel like it really, um, it, it didn't really affect the plot very much at all. Uh, and maybe my issue is also with Paula Patton. Um, it just it felt forced a little cheesy i think there's some aspects of this movie that do feel a little cheesy um and i think that that's something that i i prefer in rogue nation and fallout is it feels uh there's less of a playfulness i feel like to those movies um and it might be really subtle i don't feel like those movies are are all that different um but yeah that was an aspect of this movie that felt pretty forced to me i i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't i don't know that i would blame that on paula Patton. i feel like i would blame that on the writer, the writing of them, because I feel like this was introduced probably only so that she would have motivation to kill the, the, right. the blonde haired Moreau. Chick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's probably why they put it in. And the, just to add that point of conflict, but I agree that it was a little confusing and I didn't buy it, but I don't know that that's her fault as much as I don't know that they gave her and us enough. Yeah, that might be true. I, uh, I, I will say I, I agree with you that the the next movies have much less playfulness in them or maybe just more um, subtle playfulness. Uh, this can get on the nose sometimes in this movie. 
Uh, but I kind of love it. Like my favorite scene in this movie and what I, I, I didn't want to put forward uh, a recommendation to Scott. I like when he surprises us with what the audio intro is going to be. <laughs> um, but my favorite like moment in this movie is when he does the George Bush mission accomplished and like slams the button down and it does nothing. <laughs> like I die laughing every time. I thought that was, I thought it was funny when they were making fun of him. Afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> you really did that. <laughs> and I, because I think that made me like him a little bit because that means that he told an embarrassing story about himself, right? Uh, which <laughs> I thought was fun and funny because you, you wouldn't think of him as the kind of guy to be like, Hey, let me tell you about this dumb thing I did. Yeah. 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 Ethan does feel a little bit like can, can feel a little bit larger than life. And that's a, like a humanizing uh-huh. moment. What do you guys think about like some of the jokes in this? Movie? Sorry, I was trying yeah, I was to. Like, I was trying to think of that scene. It, that was like the big, like the big end. That was the climax of the movie. I watched this before we recorded last time. It's been a little while. I was just trying so to remember. So they're fighting in the car park. Uh huh. And he like has to dive the car down to yeah, get to the to get to the bomb. And he like crawls out of the smashed car and opens the thing and just goes mission accomplished and hits the abort button, but nothing happens. Cause it's like not connected to Wi-Fi. Mm. <laughs> that car park, the, like that crazy parking garage action scene. I thought was tremendous. Oh yeah. I really liked that a lot. And was I that just, a real car park? I assume yeah. so. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like those Carvana car vending machines that I really yeah. like to see off the freeway and mm-hmm. want to see somebody use. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I thought that was a really cool action scene, like them going up and down and dropping. And it was, it was really tense and fun. Yeah. I think like, like I said, every action piece of this movie is, is a lot of fun. Um, I really like everything in the Kremlin. I think oh, that that's yeah. Yeah. like a great like appetizer mm-hmm. for the entree Burj Khalifa, which we've talked about him scaling and how, how, anxiety inducing that is but everything that follows that i think is the best part of the movie as well when they're doing the simultaneous meetings oh yeah. i think is the most fun this movie is and i actually really like i don't know how to pronounce her name leah sadu sadu yeah yeah, yeah uh-huh. i actually think that if she was maybe the the big bad of the movie it would have been maybe a little bit stronger because i think that she commands a stronger presence in the movie so i'm a little bummed when she's so quickly disposed of um but the car park is also a ton of fun um and so it really just feels like we are going from incredible action piece to the next they could write her back if they wanted to she, well they haven't yet so. they, yeah they've never rewritten in a like a dead character a dead, they don't yeah. they don't because you don't see her die you just see her get thrown out the window she How died she That's a, they die. were uh, what 130 stories up he said yeah yeah she had a lot of time to figure something maybe out maybe she yeah. caught that glove <laughs> maybe she caught they Tom's caught glove, glove. Yeah. yeah oh I loved I loved that gag when he's like climbing up further and then the glove is like yeah. there and then it glitches and falls what that, does Jeremy Renner say to him too he says something <laughs> Your line's not long enough. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> I like that a lot. I that was funny. Loved both of the times he messed up a jump and smacked his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, it happened once and then it happened again. I was like, I love that they did that twice. Yeah. It was funnier the second time to me, honestly. Oh yeah. That when he smacks his head into like flying in, I mean, it's just this incredible like feat, you know, and then he just smacks his head. It's just, it, I think to me again, like, that's the part that makes Ethan Hunt to me feel like it could be a real person because even though he's so determined and so well-trained, nothing is perfect. 
Uh-huh. And I, I appreciate that because I think so often in action movies and spy movies in particular, like we've talked about this a lot, like the, the uh, impervious hero, you know, that like nothing can go wrong and they're just stronger than everybody. And, you know, that's and, not always fun. And even though, like, even though he makes mistakes, he's still competent. Like, right. I think I, there's something about, I saw somebody talking about No Country for Old Men, men this way, but I've thought about it a lot in movies I've watched since where they were saying like, there is something about, there's something very satisfying about watching people be very good at mm. what they're doing. And I, I think that I, I think that incompetency in movies and whatever has its place. And I think it's always very funny, Yeah, but I, I just like to watch people be good at what they're doing. And even though he's making mistakes, he's still very competent. And so I can still get behind him. Yeah. I think speaking of like incompetent characters as well, uh, even though Jeremy Renner, he, I, I don't, I don't dislike him in this movie. I don't necessarily like love him in this movie, but I think the strongest he is in this movie is when we see him do the stunt and go into the air duct and have to like dive down. And he's so anxious about it. And then he's kind (laughs) of hovering over the little RC thing. I like that whole, whole bit is um, a lot of fun as well. And I think he's pretty funny in it. And I thought it was smart to have him do it instead of like, that could have just been another stunt that, that Ethan does. Right. But we have um, Jeremy Renner do it. And so I, I thought that was another fun part of the movie too. I think my favorite part of, that interaction was when um I've already Simon Pegg is talking to him and he's like, Look, if you're supposed to be nervous about anything, you should be nervous about the fan. <laughs> he's like making it so much worse. Yeah. He's like, the fan? <laughs> he's like, Yeah. And he's like, So I'm going into an oven. He's like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a great that was a great comedic interaction. Yeah. Uh I, I thought Jer I mean Simon Pegg, of course, is just a very funny uh comedic actor. Uh I don't normally associate Jeremy Renner with being like particularly funny. funny. Yeah. Uh, I associate him with like being a really good musician. Yeah. I associate well, with him with getting by getting run over by a snowmobile or a really good archer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. a really b- bad snowplower yeah. or yeah. run a really successful app. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but I thought he was, I honestly like, I liked that they gave him a lot of comedy beats in this. Like, I feel like he delivered well in that. Yeah. Cause we don't need another Ethan. No. Um, I thought it was funny when he was like, should I not have jumped? (laughs) Did you jump? (laughs) I jumped. Yeah. (laughs) Although I will say like from the beginning when he first showed up, I was like, I immediately thought he was uh, like an agent. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't believe their non-agent thing. Especially when... They called so much attention to it. He's like, you're an analyst. I'm an analyst. You're an analyst. And then he draws up the thing. And I was like, oh, okay, he's not an analyst. Yeah. But then he was so uh, green, like right away when they get like, you know, in that tough situation, uh-huh. like Ethan is really the one saving him. Like he doesn't, f- he doesn't come off like he's playing uh, coy in that. Like he has never been in the kind of situation that Ethan's been in. Yeah. I just assumed he was just keeping it from him. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think that like, cause he was on like a protection detail. He wasn't on like some yeah. super secret mission. Uh-huh. Like he, yeah. I think he was IMF support team. Uh huh. You can be a badass and not Tom Cruise and mission impossible. Badass. Yeah. Like you, I, you can still be very well trained and be way out of your depth. I feel like, I feel yeah. like those don't, that's not like incompatible. I agree. And I, I think that was my, that was my uh-huh. experience of the character. Yeah. 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 
Well, uh, any other things that like worked? Well, we've talked about a few things that worked for us. Any other things that in particular did not work for you guys? I really don't have any major complaints about the movie except the villain. Like it, it just, I watched it. I was entertained and then I was glad I watched it. Um, I'm not saying this didn't work for me. I was surprised when they were talking about his wife being dead. Cause like the whole three was like saving her. Right. And I'm like, they did all that just to kill her off screen. Like that just felt a little weird to me. So yeah. then it made more sense when they said, just kidding. Yeah. Later on in the movie. And I had, again, I had assumed that she died on screen. Yeah. 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 So I was like, okay. Well, the whole third one is like, she has like an implant in her brain and is going to get killed. Sounds pretty and cool. And Tom Cruise has to save her. Oh, also part of the reason why I don't like the, why I don't like three is like, it's a little bit like, if you know, you know, kind of a thing, the entire like opening opening sequence that everyone, you know, pines about with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom Cruise screaming at each other. Uh, like that whole, like the, the entire like uh, plot structure and like shot structure of the movie was basically just the pilot of the TV show Alias, which was a JJ TV show. Like he just ripped off his, his, own, his own pilot. Oh, really? To, and little, and made like, paste. he's like, let's make a movie in that same exact tone and vein. I, I was so thrown off because when you said the JJ's pilot, I thought you meant the pilot in Lost because he uses that actor in everything. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, he's oh, also in Alias. Yeah, Alias, yeah. by the way, yeah. and he's in Mission Impossible. And he's 3. in Mission Impossible Three. Uh, <laughs> I see what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Uh, and I just, you know, I'm like, I the the more I see stuff from JJ, actually, to be honest, the less impressed I am with him. Sure. Like I'm just like uh, it's a little bit like the M Night Shyamalan thing. Like when, when my first experience of you or my first couple experiences with you are so great, the bar is so high. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, but that's the only two tricks, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, ugh, all right. But um, I think for this movie, I think one of the big things that doesn't work for me all the time is it, I think it is maybe a little too playful. Um, there's some comedic moments that we've talked about that I like and work for me, but his like Russian prison friend, I didn't work for me i, I don't Bogdan. like that Bogdan, yeah Bogdan. i don't like that character the like indian art collector guy that whole bit and i wonder if this was a little bit of a like overcorrection from the previous one because the third movie there is was nothing playful so in it. dark yeah. it's really dark and like feels a little too dark yeah way too intense and dark. Yeah. yeah um and so i guess i don't i don't blame brad bird for maybe course correcting a little too much um, but then I, I feel like five and six kind of like perfect the tone in my opinion. I, I really like where they kind of settle. I think I agree with you. Oh, I do have one question. Is this an American organization? Mm -hmm. Why are there British people in it? Uh, that happens right. in, in like the intelligence community, um, especially at the highest levels. Uh, -huh. uh, because you know, like let's say, uh, you have someone who is maybe British, but they have a lot of American interests, like maybe their children are American. Uh, you know, they might have a dual citizenship, but having an, a, as an American intelligence agency, having someone who's British will get you into certain doors that having someone who's an American, an American maybe wouldn't. Hmm, interesting. Um, 
you know, because people, there are other countries and other cultures that might uh, not favor Americans, but are neutral on British people. Uh, Interesting. And so it's pretty typical in the intelligence community um, throughout the world to recruit people that are not uh, like native to your country. I just had that question and then I was like, oh, I'll bring it up. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and especially like in general, like especially our allies, like we all work together so much and train together so much that like, you know, it, it's, it's not uncommon to have people like, you know, cross those lines, even with their own country's support. Because it's like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, well, you know, like, there are allies. Like, that's fine, you know. All right. Well, what do you guys say we put this one to bed? Let's do it. Uh, Tyler, you're going to be up first. Okay. I'm going to give this uh, 8.2 uh, missions accomplished. <laughs> Jake. Uh, I'll give this uh, 7.8 um Oh, it bonked heads. <laughs> bonked heads. Uh, when Tom Cruise bonks his head? Yeah. yeah. On the Burj Khalifa? Yeah. And on the car or whatever he does oh, yeah. again. Yeah. I'll give this also 7.8 uh, dead but also not dead wives. I was going to do that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I will give this 7.7 uh, 7 quickly disposed of Sawyers. That's <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this comes out to a 78%. Uh, once again, uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 93%. Uh, so we're significantly under them, but IMDb gave it 7.4. So we're just a little bit ahead of IMDb on that one. But yeah, this comes out to movie number 67 out of 141. Not bad. All right. I mean, I'll take it. That's pretty much where I think Mission Impossible belongs. Uh, well, hey, where are we going next week before we get fully out of here? Oh, sorry. Uh, we're going to me. Yeah, it's Jake. We're watching a movie that I uh, had never seen and knew nothing about. Uh, <laughs> Doctor Strangelove. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, what are you most excited for next week? Uh, Peter Sellers. <laughs> Dude, I think this episode is just going to be effed up.